Well, good morning, church. My name is Jeff Hughes. I'm one of the pastors here at Union Chapel. Just want to welcome you to church. I also want to say a huge thank you to all of you who helped out with our community service day yesterday. Hands in the air. Who was there? Let's see you. Yeah, big round of applause. Way to go. We actually worked on... We actually worked on 70 homes in the Southside neighborhood yesterday. It was a phenomenal day. My team uh, tore out columns in a porch and put those back together, managed to get that successfully done without the porch falling down. So, hey, good job there. Saw a lot of you with paintbrushes and a lot of great work going on. So thank you so much. We will go back and finish those projects uh, through the year. Uh, So we want you to know that serving is not just something we do on Community Service Day, but it's actually a lifestyle. I want to welcome those of you joining us in the sanctuary and also those joining us online. Uh, we are excited about this message uh, this morning called Small Things. If you'd like to grab that uh, insert in your bulletin, it has some notes on it that might prove helpful uh, through our short message here this morning. You know, when you think of small things, our natural assumption is to actually think of things that lack power or are small in power. But I want to challenge that assumption, if I can, for us this morning. So let's think about that for a minute. Everyone hold up the number one. Number one, hold that up. One is actually a small number, but I want you to think about the power of one. Now, for just a moment, I want you to think about the best, juiciest hamburger you have ever eaten in your life. Now, I know we're getting close to lunchtime. I'll help you. Big, the two-hander All the toppings cooked exactly as you want, fully loaded hamburger. You're sitting down with your family. You grab this burger with both hands because that's the way you grab a double meat, double cheese, fully loaded burger, which is what I'm picturing right now. You take a great big old bite of that and oh, you pull out a long stringy hair out of that burger. Oh, you have just ruined That amazing burger with one thing, nasty. Or what if a person is laying in a hospital bed and they're dying from a disease? Doctors have said it's incurable, but someone comes up and says, we have this FDA-approved drug, and just one of these pills will actually reverse all of the symptoms and cure the disease that is ailing you. That one pill would make all the difference in the world for that person and likely their family as well. There's power in that one pill. Or think about this. Think about the moment when a newborn baby first enters into the world. Now, yes, there's pain and screaming and all of that, but think about the first breath that that newborn baby takes. A breath that begins a journey of breathing in and breathing out for many, many years to come. What a beautiful moment that all begins with one breath. There's power in one. One hair in your hamburger will totally ruin that thing. One pill that can cure your disease will save a life. And one breath as a baby enters into the world will launch this lifelong experience of humanity. One is a small number with great power. And those small, one actually makes a great difference. Look to the person next to you and say, there's power in one. All right, look to your least favorite person because you didn't choose them on the other side and tell them that one makes a difference. (laughs) 
Now, why do you think I share this with you this morning, church? It's for this simple idea right here. You see, I believe that every single person in our church and every single person in this room right now makes a difference. Your life is significant. I believe you make a difference in our Union Chapel family, in our world, and in our city. You know, Jesus is telling a story in the Bible one day of, of a shepherd, and he has a hundred sheep. I believe it's a hot, sunny afternoon. They're grazing out on the fields, and the sheep, the shepherd is counting the sheep, and he gets to 96, 97, 98. Now, let me just pause right there and say that that would be a really tough job. Every time I count sheep, I can't keep my eyes open. I don't know about you guys, but this shepherd gets to 98, 99. Where is John? Can you imagine that moment? Maybe you have that family member. Where are they? They're not in the room. He gets to 99 and realizes I've counted them all and we're missing one. What does he do? He leaves those 99 sheep and he goes off to find the one. Now you tell me that one is not powerful. That one is not significant. One is important. You know, this reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from the movie Spider-Man. It's actually the first, first version of Spider-Man. We'll put this up on the screen for you here. It says, with great power comes great responsibility. Because I believe that, that one is actually a very powerful number. It's a small number, but it has great responsibility that comes with it. And I love that because I believe that if you're in this room this morning or you're watching this service in any way, if you have a pulse right now, now maybe you want to check, but if you have a pulse right now, some of you actually did. Am I awake right now? You are called to use your life to make a difference. Every day, every moment, to make a positive difference in the world around you. Now this morning I want to share a story with you from the Old Testament book of the Bible called Zechariah. Now when I say that, some of the room go, that's, that's a book? That's, that's in the Bible? Yes, it is. You don't have to raise your hand. But it's the second to last book of the Old Testament. And if you have a Bible, I encourage you to go ahead and make your way to Zechariah. Turn with me. If you go to Matthew, which is, of course, the first book of the New Testament, just work your way backwards. You'll hit Malachi, and then you'll make it to Zechariah. Or feel free to use your Bible app uh, on your phone or your mobile device. Now, as you're turning there, before we stand to read this, let me give you a bit of context, a little history of what's going on in this story. During the time when this was written, the temple was destroyed. It was a low point in history. God's people were led into captivity. Now, if you have a middle school or high school student in your house, parents, imagine that tone that they give you when they say, I don't want to do my chores. I don't want to take out the trash or whatever, whatever they're complaining about. Imagine that tone. And that same tone was used, but only the phrases were something like this. They were saying, we don't have a house for God. We're just wandering nomads. With, we're not in the place we're supposed to be. And it was a low point, and God's people were really depressed. But then in, in, in 537, a guy named Zerubbabel, apparently his mother did not like him very much, but a guy named Zerubbabel, his real name, who actually later became King Zerubbabel, so the man had something going for him, right? King Zerubbabel actually led a remnant, a small group of people, back to the land of Israel. So hope is being restored. That whiny, complainy tone actually shifts to an excited tone. And they say, we're back in the land we're supposed to be. Life is good. And then 18 years later, God spoke to King Zerubbabel. And he said to him, I'm going to give you the power to rebuild the temple. 
but it's not going to be in the way you think. Go ahead and stand with me as you're able for the reading of Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. Let's see what God has to say to us this morning. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force, nor by strength, nor by my spirit, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, May God bless it. May God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Verse 10, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. God, I pray you would open our hearts so that you would speak to us through these words from Zechariah. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, we all have people that we admire for some particular reason. Maybe these are people who you look at their life from afar and you, you admire them that way. Or maybe it's people who you have a close relationship with and you uh, go uh, uh, in and out in, in their daily life on a regular basis. Maybe you work with them or, or you know them well. But I don't know about you, but when I look at those people in my life, I, I often feel like they, they have it all together in areas where I completely do not. You know, when I look at people who are doing these great big things in our world, in our city, many of you, in fact, they inspire me. And I often think this question, and maybe you can relate to this. I think, what big things, what big things do I need to change in my life to be more like that person? I mean, what, what big changes do I need to make? Because surely they have done and are continuing to do some phenomenal things to make a difference with their life. You know, maybe you admire a famous athlete. Maybe it's tennis or golf or bowling or NASCAR, if that's actually a sport, I don't know. Maybe you look at the life and career of a person in your profession and you wonder, what big changes do I need to make in order to be more like them? You know, maybe you're a student in the room, a middle school student, high school, or a college student, and you see someone who's a few years ahead of you who's just making straight A's in every single class, and you wonder, man, how do they do it? And what big changes do I need to make in my life to be more like them? Well, no matter what the situation is, and likely there's something, it's easy for us to think, what big changes do I need to make in order to be more like them? But I have some good news for us this morning, something I actually take great hope in, and it's this. You see, it's not always the big changes we need to make, and I want to put this on the screen for you. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Today's message is called Small Things, and it really comes from that basic principle, that idea that it's often the, the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. I want us to take a look at this passage, this story in Zechariah, if you will. And it's listed in your outline there by verses if you want to take some notes or just follow along. But in verse 6, we'll put this up on the screen, we see these words. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength. Now let's stop right there. 
In other words, he's saying, God is saying the temple is not going to be rebuilt in the way that you would imagine or in a way where you would get credit for it, King Zerubbabel. It's not going to be like Lucas Oil Stadium where your name is in lights and it's lit up for all to see. It's not going to be like the Staples Arena where, where your name is in lights. Let's imagine for a moment if it was that the temple of God would actually have a sign that says, you know, this holy moment in the temple brought to you by Zerubbabel. For more information, visit Zerubbabel.com. No, not at all. It's not in the way that we would imagine. Verse 6 goes on to say this. It's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, I love that. It's not by force. It's not by strength. But God says it's going to be by my, everybody, what? By my, by my spirit. You see, here's the thing. You can try and try and try to be a better person, to kick a habit, to make the changes that you want to make in your life and turn your life around. You can try in your own power. And you, you can make some changes. You can do some good, make some improvements in your life. But if you'll tap into a power that is greater than what you possess, if you'll tap into the power of the living God and of the Holy Spirit of God within you and stop trying in your own strength but start surrendering to his strength, God will do even greater things. You see, his power is made greater in our weakness, not in our strength. And the battles that you and I need to overcome in our life, they will not be won by force or by strength or by might but by a complete surrender to the power and the spirit of God that is at work within us. Getting done what you and I know needs to get done in our life is a slow grinding process when we try to do it on our own. But when we surrender to God, we see that he has something completely different in mind for us. We just completed this Transform Muncie initiative, which you've been hearing a lot about all through April, you know, the 4,000 hours of community service with our Habitat for Humanity home and then the 70 homes that were worked on yesterday. And I just want to say, wow, I mean, that's a great thing to be a church that will go out and bless other people with the love of Christ. That just is a phenomenal thing. But tools have been on my brain quite a bit through coordinating these projects and working on the house and everything. And on our staff work days, you know, our staff love demolition I was working uh, on the ground level where they put all the short guys, and Glenn Griner was working, you know, 25 feet up on a ladder, reaching, extending, scraping some paint, pulling off some siding. And I'm really glad I had my hard hat on because tools would have literally been on my brain uh, through this whole process. But we had a great time doing demo. Our staff is good at demo. That's why we like hard hats, uh, masks, and safety goggles, and crowbars. That's us. But you see, tools have been on my brain, so I thought I might illustrate something uh, with, with a simple tool for us here this morning. This is a basic handheld screwdriver. Uh, it's used for uh, putting in uh, short screws. It's used for a small project. But if you were to use this handheld screwdriver right here to put 23-inch deck screws into a front porch, it'd be a long day for you, wouldn't it? It'd be a long, long day. You know, through your own strength, you might have some success in, in turning your life around. Through your own power, you might make some progress. But it's very challenging and it's not the way God intended. Because while us at work in our own strength to correct these things, to change our life, is like putting 20 
uh, screws in a deck with this screwdriver, the Spirit of God at work in us is like this. Can I get a hello? <laughs> now, which one do you want to work with if you're doing that project on the deck? I, I don't know about you. I want to do it this way. So many times in our life, God has intended for us to tap into his power, which is greater than that. But we settle for this when he has something so much greater in mind for us. And there is a great difference. You know, I imagine if we ask that person who tried to put those screws in the deck, they would say, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way than this. Better yet, let's, uh, let's think about the person who maybe is in this room who relied on their own strength to overcome the battle raging within them for years and then realized that if change was coming, it had to come through the power and the presence of an almighty God because what's within us is weak. But when we tap into the power and the presence of God at work in us, that is where our strength comes from. Some of us have tried for years to change something, to quit something, to stop something, to turn life around, and you can't do it. You can't do it. Amen. You can't. In your own strength. But God has a greater plan for us. And so I want to challenge you this morning to quit trying in your own strength and start surrendering to God's strength because that's where power comes from. Now let's continue this and look in verse 7. Verse 7 says, Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. Let me tell you something, church. When God calls you to do something, there is nothing that can stand in your way. Nothing. But so many times what we do is when God has called us to do something, we see this big, mighty mountain that stands in the way. And we're not able to see what God is calling us to because we see Mount Everest standing between us and that place. If you'll take the step of faith, if you'll walk out and do what God is challenging you to do, God will take care of removing that mountain and moving it out of your, your path. You go after what God has called you to do and let him handle the mountains that stand before you. I believe there's someone in this room right now this morning that they know what God has called them to do, but all they can see is Mount Everest standing in between them and that place. If that's you, forget about the mountain. That's God's job. You go after what he's calling you to, and he'll be faithful to give you the power to do exactly what he calls you to. I pray that gives you hope this morning. That same verse goes on to say this. Check it out. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it. May God bless it. Now, here's something I love. I, I love the fact that even before construction even starts. Okay, so let's back up. Remember, in Zechariah, when these words are written, it, it's not like these words were written progressively as one stone is laid and then half of the building is done and then there's some more and then it's 99.3% done and then this, this verse is written. No, this verse was written before one single stone was even set into place and it says when Zerubbabel sets the what? The final stone. So we got the first stone and the final stone. So there's completion there. 
I love the fact that before construction even starts, God already sees the end. And can I encourage you in that area of your life that God is calling you to make some changes, to do something different, to step out and do what he's calling you to before you even attempt it. God already sees the end. And not only does he see the end, he's with you through the whole entire process. I love that. I love it. Verse 8 goes on to say, Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of the temple, and he will complete it. He will complete it. Now let's stop there for a minute, and let me give you a little bit more context and history of what's going on in the rebuilding of the temple. And I also want to share a short story with you about some work here at Union Chapel. You see, the initial phases of the rebuilding of the temple were very, very slow. It was a slow process. Now, imagine that. A construction project starting slow, taking longer than expected. I won't even assume if they were under or way over budget at all. Those of you who built a house or worked on any building project, you can imagine all of those challenges. In 2002, 12 years ago, when we broke ground on this facility right here, our 180 building, my office was next door. It was in our current counseling center. It was our old 180 building. Great big window facing this way to, towards the construction site. And I remember the day as construction began. There was a great big project fence that was erected around our property here. And a big tractor trailer came and dropped off the project trailer. And there was some momentum going on with that. We saw flatbed after flatbed dropping off excavators and bulldozers and all that fun stuff that just makes you want to grunt and go, yeah. It was exciting. I also remember that my attitude shifted and I was challenged a bit a few weeks later when I came into my office. I opened up those blinds and I looked because what had happened is I saw the workers who had loaded in all of that equipment in the project trailer bring in another flatbed. And I thought, well, man, what are they going to do? And they began to load up those bulldozers and those excavators and leave. And I thought, they were only here a short time. They didn't even really do much. Before you know it, I look and there's another trailer, tractor trailer, backing into our project trailer. He's hitching it up. They're taking apart the electrical and he's, he's leaving the site. So the feelings, the momentum that was really exciting just weeks before had shifted. We realized that some soil samples in the beginning of this project determined that we had to initiate a cleanup of, of some of the ground before we could continue to build. So construction was completely halted, enough so that the, the guys were leaving the site. All we had was our fence. What was an exciting dream of a new youth facility that could help us reach our community and impact lives for Christ was now questionable. A couple of my questions were, will we ever build? Will it ever be in this place? What will we have to change in order to accommodate what we've learned? All of these questions and, and many more raced through my curious mind in those days and weeks staring out my window on those mornings. Well, of course, here this morning, it's easy for us to sit in, in this room and have a complete peace about this building because we are reaping the great rewards of God's faithfulness to us of this facility that's used by hundreds of youth and adults on a regular basis. You know, last night while we were all sleeping, 
from about midnight to 4 a.m., this building was actually bustling. Yorktown High School had their prom. A couple of weeks ago, Delta High School had their prom. And one of the things we're committed to do for our city is to provide this space for events after high school proms. Because we know that high school students do not make the best decisions between midnight and 4 a.m. High school students don't make the best decisions between noon and 4 p.m. Who are we kidding? And so instead of them having to make those critical decisions of where are we going to go, what are we going to do, what's going to happen in the dark living room or in the car that's pulled off in the country or in the party that's off in the woods, what's going to happen in that place, we open our 180 building at a low cost to our schools to provide an after prom where students can come and have a great time and have adults who will love on them and tell them there's purpose and destiny for their life. And they can make a good decision. You know, God is using this place. But those initial days of looking out my window when the project trailer left were very interesting. Now let's go back to Zerubbabel for just a moment. Well, before we do that, let me say this. If you've been around Union Chapel for any number of time, you know that while we appreciate having a roof over our head, these facilities and these buildings are just bricks and sticks. That's all they are. They're just bricks and sticks. And in a thousand years, it will not matter what color the paint is on the wall, will it? It won't matter what our superstructure or substructure of our facilities is made of, will it? It won't matter one single bit. What will matter are the lives that are changed, the relationships that are built, the character that is developed, the worship that is given to God and the lives that are impacted because our church has said it's not about a building. It's about coming together to honor God and helping people to know him. We should celebrate that. So back to Zerubbabel for just a moment. The, the building and rebuilding of this temple, you can actually read in the book of Ezra these words. When, when the construction project was going and people visited the site, they actually cried. Now, some people say that they cried because they were so happy that the temple was being restored. There's actually more scholars and more people who say that they cried because what they saw embarrassed them and it was so unimpressive. They went back to that whiny tone for a minute. The, the middle school, high school were doing their chores and they said things like this. It's just a few rocks. It's, it's just so small. Man, God's temple isn't going to amount to anything. And they stood there and they cried. The reality is that's often the way we feel in our lives, don't we? Like the situation we're facing is so big and our power is so small. Like the construction project began and then it was halted. And the trailer's left. Or like you want to lose all this weight. And so you begin a, a regiment to, to lose weight and work out. And you hop on the scales and you've lost half a pound or maybe even gained. Or you're a student in the room and you do really well in school. You're turning things around. And then you bomb a major test and it's all downhill from there. 
Or you're a person in the room who knows some changes you need to make. Maybe you set a New Year's resolution a number of months ago and, and you struggled, but you made it for a month, month and a half, two months. And then there was that weekend and you went back to those old habits and it was just a spiral. You know, sometimes we actually get embarrassed by the small beginnings in our life. Let's take a look at verse 10. My favorite verse. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So what is this saying to us? It's saying when God calls you to something, he will see you through it. When God calls you to get your life together, to turn things around, to make changes, to take steps in a new direction, you can be confident that despite the small beginnings, the Lord rejoices to see work begin and he is with you through the process. Zerubbabel had to put one stone in place followed by another and another. And the same is true of our lives. We have to make one positive choice followed by another, followed by a positive action and another. Do not despise small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We can find great hope in that. A couple of questions for you. What small thing is God nudging you about here this morning? Maybe it's like you've been getting elbowed in the ribs. Maybe it's your spouse, but maybe it's God trying to get your attention to say there's a small thing and this is it. And this is the area where I want you to make some changes. Where does God want to see the work begin in your life? Maybe it's an attitude shift. Maybe it's a relationship that that needs some work. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a behavior. Where is God trying to get your attention this morning? I came across a quote recently that really fits this, so I thought I would share it with you. We'll put it on the screen for you. It says, sometimes the smallest step in the right direction ends up being the biggest step of your life. Tiptoe if you must, but take that step I love that. Sometimes the smallest step in the right direction ends up being the biggest step of your life. Tiptoe if you must, but take that step. There's somebody this morning who needs to tiptoe. You need to take that small step in the right direction that God is calling you to. And I know that God will be faithful to meet you in that. What small thing do you need God's help with this morning? You know, if we're honest, I think it's, it's easy for us to wrestle with feeling insecure about these steps that we need to take. It's easy to feel insecure about the small things that God's working on, the things that need attention in our lives. And I love what Pastor Stephen Furtick says about this. We'll put it on the screen for you. He says, the reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes to other people's highlight reels. Now let that sink in for a moment. The reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reels. We know what goes on day in and day out of our lives, but we only see others when they're all dressed up, when they're putting on the show, when they're living life for the public to see. And it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get insecure about that. If you go around comparing what you know about yourself in private to what you see among others in public. But what I know is God is faithful to meet every single one of us in every single moment. 
But don't compare your behind the scenes to other people's highlight reels. Ask God to show you the area where he wants to see work begin in your life. And like Zerubbabel, put the first stone in place, followed by the next and the next, and see the work begin. God is faithful to help you complete it. Remember, it's the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Let me remind you of a couple people from Scripture that likely you're familiar with. Let's think about David for a moment. You can study David and Goliath from 1 Samuel chapter 17. David took down Goliath. I want to take down a giant, and likely you do too. Maybe there's a giant in your life that you need to take down. But you see, when we think of David and Goliath, we forget the behind the scenes. We forget that he was faithful tending sheep in fields for years. And whenever a wild animal would approach those sheep, he would run it off or he would kill that animal. What was happening? He was learning to be faithful in the small things so God would trust him with even more. Likely, you've also heard the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel and the lion's den is found in Daniel chapter 6 if you want to read that. So we celebrate Daniel and the lion's den, but, but what about the behind the scenes? You see, Daniel was able to have great faith to look these lions in the eye and say, uh-uh, I'm not going to be your lunch today. I'm going to serve the Lord my God. He was able to stand and look at those lions unwavering because of what had gone on in the years prior. You see, three times a day for many, many years, he would stop, he would bow down, he would pray, and he would worship God. Let me tell you, you know what would happen if you stopped three times a day to give God praise and worship, to celebrate his goodness, forgot about everything else going around, and three times a day, year after year, you stopped to pray and worship our God. What kind of faith would you develop during those behind-the-scenes moment if you set aside that time to God? You see, it's the things that no one sees that result in the things that everyone wants. The things that no one sees result in the things that everyone wants. I've got some good news for you. You see, if you'll be faithful in the small things, God will trust you with even greater things. In fact, the small things you're doing today and right now in this moment, in this season of your life, are preparing you for the next things that God has just days, weeks, months and years just right around the corner and in the years to come. There's a famous parable that you can read about in Matthew chapter 25 that illustrates this perfectly. And I want you to check out this video illustration of it called Ballad of the Brothers. Let's check this out.
<laughs> Nobody wants to be that brother that gets thrown out of the car, right? Nobody wants to be him. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, we see these words. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. If you've missed the entire point this morning, maybe you had a late night, you've dozed off. Get this right here. The power of a person who is fully submitted to God with the dedication to be faithful with what God has given them and take the small steps that God leads them to take is greater than you can ever imagine. It's all about being faithful in the small things. One of the most famous and greatest basketball coaches of all time is no doubt Coach John Wooden. Many of you would probably agree with that. Wooden, of course, coached at UCLA and won 10 NCAA championships. He won seven consecutive titles from 1967 to 73. Unheard of. Phenomenal coach. Do you know what the first practice consisted of? When, when Coach Wooden would bring a team in, he, he wouldn't, uh, wouldn't run drills. He didn't run sprints. He didn't even have his players work on free throws or, or three-pointers or even passing. You see, the first practice consisted of bringing the guys in, having them sit down on the bench, and very slowly and very carefully putting on their socks. They would work their socks on just right. Then they would put their shoes on and lace them up just perfectly. You see, Wooden knew that, that people often don't think about how you put on your socks and how you put on your shoes. And because of that, basketball players are prone to getting blisters. And he wanted his players to know from the very beginning we are a team that cares about the details because the details matter. I love that. I've got a quote from Wooten I'd like to share with you this morning. He said, it's the little things that are vital. The little things make the big things happen. Isn't that great? It's the little things in your life and mine that are vital as well. And it's the little things that make the big things happen. It's so often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. Remember this, the power of a person fully submitted to God with the dedication to be faithful with what God has given them and take the small steps as he leads will lead to even greater things than you can ever imagine. So how about you? Have you fully surrendered and fully committed your life over to God? Are you being faithful with the small thing that you're facing right now or are, or are you looking at the mountain that's standing in the way? We're called to be faithful with what's before us and let God take care of everything else. You know, maybe this morning God is speaking to you. You feel something drawing you to take a step closer to him, to stop trying in your own strength and start surrendering to his. Let me encourage you, church, you won't regret it if you take that step. Open your heart. Fully surrender and take that step that God is calling you to take. Stand up with me. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, I pray you would help every single one of us in this room realize the importance of fully submitting our lives to you, God. Help us today to be found faithful. God, I pray that you would guide us, especially in the small things that make a big difference in our lives. 
Help us to take one step after another, to make one right choice after another, to not look down upon the day of small beginnings, but to know, God, that you rejoice in seeing the work begin. So do a new thing among us, God. Do a new thing in each heart, in every life this morning. Remind us, God, that the changes that need to be made in our lives are are not made by our strength, by our force, by our power, but by the Spirit of God at work in us. God, help us to see you and help us to open our eyes to Jesus. Help us to know your faithfulness through everything we go through. God, you are great. Help us to take a step closer to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.